Welcome to the Embracing You podcast with your host, Eric Pothen. We are all on our own unique journey to discovering ourselves. Each episode, I will help you navigate the journey within to reconnect with and discover the innate love you have for yourself. This podcast will cover topics from self-love to eating disorders and body image to mental health and to overall well-being. My goal is to help you honor and embrace yourself so you may live your most authentic life. Let's dive in. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Embracing You podcast. I hope that you all had a fantastic holiday season. Um, It's incredibly hard to believe how quickly 2023 went and that 2024 is, you know, just right around the corner. Um, Once again, I know I've been pretty absent from this space of creating podcasts for you all. Um, With starting a new position at the end of September, it has taken me away from this space a little more than what I would have liked. Um, But, you know, here I am back creating another episode and moving forward, I'm going to be more intentional with making time to create for you all. And today we have a wonderful podcast interview with a new friend of mine, Rachel Zimmerman, and she very graciously and freely shares her story about living with an eating disorder and her path to recovery and being in recovery. So without further ado, let's dive in. Well, good morning, Rachel. How are you doing today? Doing good, Eric. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Um, I'm super excited to dive into our conversation. And I want to just let the audience and fill the audience in a little bit of how we connected and how I asked to have you be a guest on the podcast. And so I know we had met at a workout class together, then we had connected via social media. And recently, you had shared a little bit of your own story of living with an eating disorder. And I know I, I have been a little bit inactive in the space of creating podcasts. And I've it's been on my mind to enter into this space more frequently again. Um, and I think, you know, it was a nudge from the universe as I had messaged you when I first reached out for me to enter back into this space and to ask for you to come on and to share your story. So a little context for listeners here of our connection here. But to start today's conversation off, if you wouldn't mind just telling us a little bit about yourself, um, maybe what you do for work today and what led you to share your story on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. I think, I mean, a big part of why I'm here is, again, like you kind of said, I feel like that connection was kind of meant to be. (laughs) Um, I I saw that you were a life coach and kind of in the recovery world. And I also, I work as a health coach. Um, I've kind of dabbled in a couple different areas with that. But um, I think that was, has always been a big part of my own journey, just kind of sharing my story. Um, I think it's important to talk about these types of things because I know so many others struggle. And when I do share my story, so many people reach out to me. So that's just like proof right there. <laughs> That's it. It's important to do. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, born and raised here. And kind of like how we met, I definitely enjoy checking out all the different fitness places around here. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Thanks for letting us know a little bit about yourself here. Before we dive into your story, you had mentioned that you were a health coach and you know, before we started this conversation, you had mentioned that and my mind kind of started wondering of like, wow, I wonder 
what that experience is like for someone who also has lived experience with an eating disorder. Um, and so would you be willing just to share a little bit about what it's like to be invested in that work in your own experience? Yeah, definitely. I think that that actually is a big part of my story in terms of recovery, I think. When I, I guess when I reflect on it now, um, I did, I started out actually doing like personal training, group fitness. I worked t- taught classes at like Orange Theory Fitness for a while, even led a, a fitness program at a nursing home. And that kind of got me into like the health and wellness world. And I can get more into that later. That kind of spun <laughs> a couple different directions, but I think eventually it, it landed me into health coaching, um, which I personally love just because it does kind of encompass that all around wellness approach versus just focusing on just nutrition or just exercise. It's kind of looking at your well-being as a whole. And I actually, the the company I worked for when I very first got into health coaching or realized that that was a thing, <laughs> um, it was a, a weight loss program actually through United Health Group. And so it was for people that were pre-diabetic or had like a medical need to lose weight is basically how it was framed. And it was honestly challenging a lot of the times because I think the program as a whole was great because it was trying to promote like healthy habits or helping people establish those healthy habits for themselves. But a lot of the participants would get into, you know, kind of like the extreme, like, oh, I'm doing keto, I'm intermittent fasting, I'm only eating X number of calories per day, and kind of like these extreme measures for weight loss. And we, as a health coach, we couldn't really tell them, don't do that. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) it was it was difficult, I think. And um, like just all around, it was kind of a negative space. So that I, I was I did that for a while, like, I think it was two, two and a half years, something like that. And then I, I sought out other positions um, and a few of my coworkers actually left for this other company. <laughs> um, so I followed them and it's more, more up my alley. But yeah, and I, I mean, I love the company I'm with now. And I think it's, um, like I said, it's just, you know, kind of clicks with me better and doesn't have kind of like those nuanced things that are so focused with weight loss and kind of diet culture type stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And for those that are listening and have been listeners of this podcast, they hear me say consistently that awareness is key in any sort of work that we do on ourselves as individuals. And, you know, I'm hearing in your own journey that you had that awareness where, you know, you were with this first company and you felt almost as if you were contributing to diet culture and embedding yourself into that kind of yucky space but you had that internal awareness to help you realize that, you know, maybe this isn't the space for me and I can better use my tools elsewhere and with a company that better aligns with how I see myself doing work in this space of health coaching. Agreed very much. I think I was kind of at that point in my life where like, fortunately, I was able to recognize that. I think maybe if I had done that a couple years previously, I would have just stayed there and kind of got maybe even more into it myself. But I think, yeah, weight loss is just such a tricky thing because I, I understand, you know, there might be individuals who, I don't know, (laughs) it's, it's, it's such like a personal thing, like individuals who feel like they, they want to lose weight to be healthier, but a lot of times it's kind of stepping back and looking at the healthy habits that will improve your health. And yes, weight loss might be a result 
from making those healthy habit changes, but it's not a necessary thing or it's not a requirement. Yeah, absolutely. And once again, I think, you know, what is unique about you stepping into this position is your own background too, right, of struggling with an eating disorder. And we can dive into, you know, your story here in a second. But, you know, I think it makes sense to me that, you know, you had these thoughts because of your own lived experience. Um, And so it just makes me curious of those that don't have a lived experience, do they have the knowledge of, you know, the potential effects of their work upon these people that they're working with? So uh, I'd like to transition into hearing a little bit more about your story of living with an eating disorder. Um, So to maybe start this conversation off, when did your eating disorder appear and what was going on in your life at that time? Yeah, I mean, I've taken some time to think about this because I feel like a lot of my habits, like I, I guess with just like disordered eating in general, actually started when I was in elementary school. Um... And, but didn't really, you know, develop until maybe high school, college. Um, But even, I don't know, I think as far back as like second or third grade, I remember putting myself on a diet because I felt like I was too big. I needed to lose weight. And I think a lot of it came from maybe media, just kind of those ideals of what a woman should look like. Like I can even think back to even middle school, you know, kids picking on me, stuff like that. So it's like all these little things like little memories that I think kind of fed into this. And then eventually it just accumulated over the years. I was painfully shy as a kid, (laughs) very, very shy, um, very reserved, lacking confidence. So I think a lot of that fed into it as well. So by the time I got to high school, um, I just kind of developed a lot of habits that kind of fed into this ideal, if that makes sense. And so, you know, I would overexercise, not eating. I had episodes where I passed out or, you know, fainted just because of that. And it it is a hard thing to think about, (laughs) you know, kind of like where, where it stemmed from or what the trigger was, because I feel like for me, it wasn't, you know, one traumatic event that set it off. Part of this too, I, I also, I I'm, I've been sober for about eight years from alcohol. And so alcohol was kind of part of my story too. Um, And I think I I always go back to that word control because I feel like I was, you know, controlling, you know, how my body looked. And then alcohol was a way that I made myself more outgoing and be like that crazy party girl that I wanted to be. (laughs) Um, And that kind of became part of like just my day-to-day thing that I did. My lowest point, you know, rock bottom, if you will, <laughs> um, was I, I did a study abroad in college. So I was in Ireland for several months, um, had a room by myself. So that was like, I had like the most control that I ever did. And I actually, I, I, I lost a, a lot of weight when I was there. Um, and I didn't really have anyone that was checking in with me. You know, I never, you know, really had, um, you know, like family, you know, friends that would be like, come on, let's go to dinner or whatever, you know? So I, again, I had full control and I think that's like really what it came down to for me. Um, so it just kind of spiraled. Um, and you know, it was to the point that I, you know, would try to go, you know, X amount of time without eating. Um, I would, you know, force myself. I, that was around the time I got into running again as a way to burn calories, whatever it was. 
and I had injuries, but I would just run through it because I had had to do it. So it was kind of like all these different things kind of, you know, coming together at once. And I feel like I eventually got to a breaking point, basically. Um, you know, I got to a point where I realized like, I can't keep doing this. Like I, I can't keep drinking every day. I can't, you know, not eat. <laughs> and I, you know, I just wasn't happy. And I just felt um, like I, I lost control when I was trying to do all these things to, you know, con- you know, find control. So it was kind of backwards a little bit. You know, once I got to that breaking point, I did seek help. Um, I did, I actually went to an inpatient program. Um, at the time I was living in Los Angeles, actually. And so I went to a, a treatment center out there and it was kind of back and forth for a while. <laughs> um, took me a while to kind of finally, you know, get my feet on the ground and feel like, okay, I got this. And, it, and that was around the time, like I was talking about earlier when I got into um, like personal training, group fitness, because everyone is like, well, you like like exercise and you like, <laughs> like I was very interested in like nutrition and like I had all this knowledge. So that was kind of what set me into that. And yeah, I mean, it was kind of like a definitely work in progress for several years before I felt super confident in my recovery. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for sharing. I know when we get into the space of talking about very personal things like our own stories and journeys, that that can be a little scary and daunting. And I appreciate your vulnerability um, and just your willingness to share so openly and freely. Um, and I hope that, you know, in doing so, you're able to find a sense of empowerment and acceptance of your own story, because I truly believe that when we can learn to embrace, honor, and accept these more darker parts of our past and learn to release some of the shame that's associated with it, we're able to use those experiences to help others and to really live life a little bit more freely. And I see that in the work that you're doing by, you know, sharing parts of your story via social media. I want to rewind a little bit because I feel like there are so many different points that I want to speak to in just that little nugget um, of your story. The first being, you know, you had mentioned that, you know, it wasn't just one particular thing that kind of contributed to the onset of your eating disorder. And I think there are multiple things that can be going on in someone's life to get them to that point of developing an eating disorder. Um, And so I just wanted to highlight that, that typically it is so multifaceted, right? It's not just one component. It's, you know, you're hearing this from that person, you're engaging in this sort of thing, and you're getting X results. And so when all of those compile together and kind of like self combust, that's really kind of what pushes us over into the edge into that eating disorder space and developing that eating disorder. And so that's the first point I wanted to speak to. The second part I could not resonate with more anymore than um, when you were talking about the element in need of control. Um, and that kind of being at the center of, you know, your own journey and what you had recognized when you were living with your eating disorder. Um, and that that eating disorder voice really just tries to take over our identity in a way. And we almost find our worth in our ability to control all of these different variables, right? Like ability to control our weight, ability to control the amount of food we are consuming, 
ability to control how much we are exercising, right? Like that is what the eating disorder brain and mind fixates on, right? Like it needs to be in control. And I'm curious, this is some recent work that I've done with my own therapist, but I focus on parts work with her. And we have discovered that, you know, for me, even today, it's hard for me to release the need to be in control all of the time. And in doing the parts work, we were able to relay that back to when I was living with my eating disorder and how that need for control really became reinforced like time and time again when I was in that space. And so I'm curious to know, do you still find that craving and sense of needing control to be still present in your life today? Yeah, that's, (laughs) it is kind of funny, not like haha funny, but (laughs) it's funny to think about now um, how it still shows up in my life, but it's very, it's different. Um, I, I definitely still catch myself. Like I'm very much, I don't like when plans change at the last minute. I don't like surprises. I don't, <laughs> don't like things like that because again, I like that control. I like my schedule routine. Um, but even, even things, especially like with nutrition too, you know, if I, for example, the other week, like I'm, I'm part of this swimming, swimming group and someone brought in donuts, like as a surprise for everyone. Um, so even something like that, I'm like, oh, I wasn't planning to have a donut today. Like I still catch myself with like thoughts like that. Um, so I think my point being like, it's not, not something that just goes away. Kind of like you were saying, like, it's still in the back of my mind, but I've just kind of learned how to navigate through that. Um, as much as much as I can, like there's still going to be days that I nitpick myself or, you know, I find myself like, like, oh, I have to, I can only have one portion of this or, you know, whatever, like still, you know, kind of those little control things. So it's, yeah, it's definitely still present, but it just kind of shows up in different ways. And, and one thing I wanted to add to kind of like you were speaking to, I think when, when I was kind of in the midst of my eating disorder, I would get a lot of feedback from other people. So, you know, whether it was people saying, oh my gosh, you've lost so much weight. Oh, oh, look at your muscles. Like, oh, you're so dedicated to your exercise routine. Like, oh, you're so committed to, you know, you're so good about your nutrition. So I took that feedback as like validation. Like this is a good thing. Like people are admiring me. And again, that's a way that I was kind of controlling what, how, you know, like people's perceptions of me. Yeah. And that is almost an exact replica of my own story as well too of you know you started to lose weight you get that external feedback from other people and little do they know what you are doing is contributing to that weight loss and so I think that is like why me personally I try to avoid making comments about someone's physical appearance, right? Like it's so natural for us when we haven't seen someone in a long time to say, oh my gosh, you look so great, right? But like, what if they've lost a shit ton of weight and they have they have disordered eating, they are over-exercising and engaging in all these other habits, right? So it's it can become such a slippery slope when we enter into that space of relying on external opinions of others to control our own levels of happiness, right? 
Exactly. And so I've, I feel like the last couple of years, that's been a big thing for me, like just to do what feels good for me and like what I need to do. I, you know, I kind of find my own like self-validation, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm getting chills in this conversation we're having because I feel like I'm listening to myself in the journey that I've been on as well the last couple of years of learning to not need the approval or second opinion of other people in order to provide myself comfort and validation, right? Where it's like we as individuals, we know what's best for ourselves. Our hearts speak to us with honesty And I think so often it's so easy for us as human beings to immediately second guess whatever it is that our hearts are telling us because we get afraid of what it is communicating to us, right? And the honesty and the truth that it's speaking. And so we're almost needing to go to that other source, right? For that second opinion to validate what we are hearing internally. Yes, Very much agreed. Yeah. I kind of want to rewind a little bit more. I know we're kind of talking about space of recovery, um, but when you were struggling with your eating disorder, um, we know that it's not everyone's experience um, and it's a common eating disorder myth that everyone with an eating disorder loses weight or is in a small body, um, but it was a part of yours. So I'm curious to know, as you were kind of in the depths of your eating disorder, Did people reactions to your weight loss shift from being more complimentary to being kind of more concerned? Um, And what was your response to that? Yeah, I think there's definitely like a, I don't know, kind of a tipping point where I do notice that change in response. I think, like I, I mentioned with my study abroad that I did, I think before I left for that trip, I you know, I would get a lot of the comments like, oh my gosh, you've lost so much weight or you're so dedicated. And looking back, I don't know if they actually meant those as compliments or not, <laughs> but I, I interpreted them as compliments. Um, but then when I, I left for my study abroad, and I, I think this is like a memory that really stands out for me. My older stepsister, she had um, her wedding planned for a few weeks after I returned from Ireland. And so before the trip, I had my bridesmaids dress fitted and my stepmom, or I think it was my stepmom, someone made a comment like, oh, like don't gain weight during your study abroad. Otherwise we'll have to like, you know, alter the dress or something, you know, made a comment like that. So that even like fed into it more. So I had that in my mind, like, okay, you can't gain weight because whatever. (laughs) And, um, and so when I came back from the trip, I, or from my study abroad and we went to the, whatever, the bridesmaids shop. And I tried on the dress and it was way too big on me. And my stepmom was like, oh my God, like, are you okay? Like, we need to like go get food in you right now. (laughs) And like we did, we went to, you know, get, went to lunch or something right after. And that was kind of like, my parents had like a serious talk with me. They're like, you don't look good. Like, you know, something, something's going on. Like, I don't know, you know, what, what's, kind of, you know, triggering this or whatever. But um, that was kind of like the point where I stepped back and was like, oh, actually, I don't, I don't look good. (laughs) You know, like this, this isn't like what, what, because I think in my mind, I, you know, was like this fitness person, like, you know, I was in really good shape and I was running every day, whatever. Um, But, you know, when I, when my stepmom made that comment, that was really kind of like made me pause And a couple of my friends definitely made, you know, comments or, you know, kind of pulled me to the side too. Um, But I I think a lot of people don't 
necessarily feel comfortable talking about something like that. They don't really want to know, <clears throat> I don't know, like the full story or they, they don't understand it maybe. I don't know what it is, but a lot of people don't feel comfortable with it, but they would make kind of like little comments that they were concerned. And that's when, I mean, I started going to therapy and, you know, kind of working through it little by little, but I, that was like, that's a whole other, <laughs> other story too, kind of coming back. Um, Cause it, it's hard when you're used to, you know, having a smaller body and that's like, you it, almost like body dysmorphia. Like I didn't really feel like I was that small. And so when I started to gain weight again, I just felt yuck. Like, you know, it's, it's not a, a really a good feeling if that makes sense. I am just, there's so many great things that I'm hearing that, you know, you're really highlighting and addressing for listeners. And the one thing that really stood out to me, well, a couple of things, actually, one is, you know, you were kind of talking about this notion or idea or belief that like, people don't necessarily want to hear your full story, or they're afraid to ask, you know, and address their concerns with you as an individual. And I agree with that completely. And I think, you know, where the work lies is how do we have these conversations with other individuals who we believe are struggling, right? Like we know how to do this with mental health, which I think is a hidden illness. And we've done so much work in that space to get us to that point of being comfortable asking our friends if they're okay mentally. I just wish it was as easy to ask our friends if they are doing okay with their bodies, as easy as it is for us to ask them if they're doing okay mentally. Yeah, agreed. Because I, I think a lot of people, and when I think back to, I think I was defensive at first, um, but I it was more like, you know, I would say, oh, no, I, I'm, I'm fine. Like, I'm not even that thin. Like, what are you talking about? It wasn't like I would get angry and blow up necessarily. But I think a lot of maybe maybe that's part of why people are fearful of asking or bringing it up just because they don't know how the other person will respond. It is a very sensitive subject for most people. I, I think it depends on your relationship with the person, too. But um I think that's that's why I like talking about about my story or like sharing with others just because I think it should be something that we talk about freely. For me, I, I meant to say this before too. I think I did have a lot of shame behind the fact that I was struggling as well. And so that's why I did kind of like brush off people's like concerns and stuff. And it, even when I did start my own recovery, I was I did feel a lot like very shameful of talking about it. But I, you know, I'm definitely to a place now, obviously, that <laughs> that I, I, you know, will will openly, you know, talk to others about it. Um, and, you know, encourage people to reach out to me too, you know, if, if it's something that you feel like you want to talk through, uh, because I think that's important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, that's my purpose of having this podcast or one of the purposes is I want to create space where people come on and share their story. And when I share that story, a listener now has another system of support. <laughs> well, and I, I'm honestly, I'm grateful for having a space like this because even like when I was going through my own struggles, like I never had something like this. Um, so know that you're, you're doing the work too. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, I think another thing that people don't realize is that eating disorders typically don't just exist as the only thing that is going on with an individual, right? Like it's a disorder where it's 
typically accompanied by something else like anxiety, like depression, like struggles with alcohol, drugs, and other addiction. It is so hard for an eating disorder to exist just as an eating disorder because they're t- it's typically connected and becomes attached to these other parts of our journey of where we're currently at in the moment. Yeah. And I appreciate you saying that. I never, I guess I never knew that or considered that, but I, I was diagnosed with depression when I was, I don't know, I think like sixth or seventh grade. Definitely, you know, had some anxiety and other, you know, kind of other things going on there as well. So I feel like that was my way of managing all of those like feelings or, you know, I just wasn't able to like cope with life <laughs> pretty much. And that's, you know, where I kind of fell into like this need of controlling because I did, I didn't feel like I was in control. Yeah. And while you were sharing that, my brain was like, I need to know this percentage because I knew it was a high percentage. And so I just, I just quickly searched it, but it's over 70% of people with eating disorders also have other conditions, most commonly anxiety and mood disorders. Um, okay, so at the beginning, you briefly kind of talked about, you know, what that space of recovery looked like. But when you were in inpatient treatment, what was most challenging for you being in that space? Being comfortable with myself. <laughs> I think that was the hardest thing, especially not drinking, um, you know, losing that sense of control with food, not being able to exercise like I wanted to. And so that was, and that's something I still struggle with. I feel like, like just being okay with myself. And I definitely, you know, still have days where I don't feel comfortable. Um, But I think, especially when I think to like those first few weeks or first few days, even it was like, I can't stand this. And I was very angry. <laughs> I was probably not a pleasant person to be around in inpatient, but um, I was very angry, bitter, like, and not really at anyone in particular, but again, just because I felt so uncomfortable in my own skin. And of course, like actually starting to address a lot of like the, the negative thoughts and feelings that I had about myself that I had been masking for so long. I had a, a strong fear of <laughs> kind of facing those things that I had never actually like talked about or brought up or thought about even just because I'd been like stuffing them down with that the whole time. Yeah. And first of all, thank you for sharing that. Secondly, you know, what I am hearing is that, you know, when you were in inpatient treatment and you didn't, you weren't able to exercise, you didn't really have a choice over the food that you were consuming is that you were beginning to lose that sense of control that you had had when you were living with your eating disorder and your eating disorder voice was not liking that, right? Where it's like, I just want to exercise. I'm not going to eat whatever food is on my plate. And so I think that's one of the most difficult parts of entering into that space of recovery is learning to sit with that discomfort that's going to exist when you begin to engage in a lot of these, I don't like to use the word healthier habits, but when you engage in these habits that are going to lead you from living with an eating disorder to being in that place of recovery. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I feel like it took me a long time to kind of find that. I always think of it as just like finding balance. I mean, I feel like I still struggle to a certain extent, but it's not something that 
like totally unravels me like it used to before. But that took a long time to get to that point. It's not really something that you just say, like, stop doing that. <laughs> like you, you have to kind of keep working at it. It's like a practice and it will still keep coming up, but you have to, you know, kind of um, continue to be aware of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think we this is where we see very similarly with being in the space of recovery and what I'm hearing from you as well. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I truly believe that we can never be fully recovered from living with an eating disorder where, you know, just like you had mentioned, a lot of these thoughts and things that, you know, can trigger maybe potentially leading into a relapse, right? Like those thoughts are going to still remain within. I think they may be more dormant at times than others, but I think what separates, you know, being in that space of recovery is your ability to work with that when it comes up, right? And knowing how to interact when that voice is getting loud and saying, no, I can't have that donut that someone brought to swim practice because that's not in my plan that I had in my mind for nutrition for the day. Um, And so it's just that acknowledgement and addressing it and responding in a different way. That's what makes recovery so challenging is because it is creating new neural pathways in your brain that, you know, these other ones when we were living with our eating disorder became so deep and reinforced all of the time because we would just listen to that voice. And so it takes active effort to choose to respond differently when you find yourself in a more heightened state of emotion when it comes to food, body image, and exercise. Yeah, agreed. And I think like even little things come to mind. Like I still, like from when I I used to, you know, track my calories and like every little thing, I still know like how many calories are in certain food items or, you know, what a portion looks like, or, you know, it's 28 ounces or whatever. (laughs) And so a lot of those little things, it's like, I can't necessarily unlearn that, but I can't, like you were speaking to, I can change my behaviors and how I respond to that to say, okay, I know that's a portion, but I'm still hungry. (laughs) And that's okay to have, you know, a second helping. Like it's not, you know, I don't have to just stick to, to just that. Um, And so I think that's been a big part of it as well, just kind of combating some of those previous behaviors that I had. Another one too, you know, to think, you know, that I I need to be a smaller size, especially as an athlete, like doing triathlons and running, like thinking, oh, if I lost X number of pounds, I'd be faster. But in reality, I have to step back and think, actually, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> like you're, you're, you're actually faster now than when you were smaller. And by the way, you've done 10 marathons and, you know, done all these other things. Like you, you can still do amazing things. Like your, your body is still capable, even if you're not, you know, X number of pounds or whatever it is. So I think even just having those reminders have been key for me. And I, I think can definitely help, you know, a lot of others too. Yeah. And right there, that really reflects your ability to challenge the voice that's coming up into your mind, right? Where it's like, okay, it just told you that, okay, maybe being smaller will make me run faster. And then you were able to kind of pause and be like, hold up. Like, no, that's not true. And I think that's the biggest thing too, is like when you're in the space of recovery is it's learning to challenge those things from you being in the place you currently are. And you know, like what you are doing. And I think 
being in recovery is you're becoming more embodied and you're becoming more in tune with the way that you physically feel, with the way that you mentally feel. And you're addressing those needs more than when you know we are in that space of living with an eating disorder because we neglect so much of that. And recovery really teaches us the opposite of we need to really respect and give ourselves food and nourishment and treat it with love and respect. Exactly. And I I feel like I definitely am more in tune with my body. If that makes like, you know, I'm just more aware of how I feel like I have energy throughout the day, like I'm sleeping better. I just I feel amazing on my runs or my workouts, like I'm not struggling to, you know, get through those anymore. Whereas in the past, I might have been. Um, And I think even seeing food as energy can be helpful, especially in kind of like the fitness world. Um, But also knowing that it's okay to just enjoy food too. (laughs) Like, you know, it doesn't have to be like counting calories or it doesn't have to be just fuel. Like you can just eat out of enjoyment because it tastes good and that's okay. Like it's not, it's not going to derail anything or I don't know. So I think just kind of reframing how you think about nutrition and and your body as a whole too, like just kind of giving yourself that grace. Yeah. And I really like that point. Like let food just be fucking food, right? Like why, why does it have to be this thing that we find ourselves stressing out over from time to time? And it seems so silly, right? You're like, oh my gosh, I am so scared to eat a piece of pizza, but I want a piece of pizza. So why the fuck does it matter? Like if I eat it or not? And it all comes back to this idea of diet culture within society, right? Like that is all around us. And we that is something that won't go away for quite some time, I think. But it's just, it's all of these little elements of it that keep getting reinforced that, you know, I still find myself navigating from time to time, right? Of like, when I notice a voice telling me, no, you can't eat that, whose voice is that? Is that actually my voice? Is it my eating disorder voice or is that society's voice and diet culture's voice of telling me I can't eat that and being able to distinguish and come back to what do I need in the moment? My body wants to eat that piece of pizza, so I'm going to fucking eat the piece of pizza, right? Yeah, I wish I wish more people <laughs> understood that. I still, honestly, from some of my close family members, I still hear, not. it's not like they're intentionally trying to be negative or anything like that, but I still get comments about what I'm eating or like, oh, really, you're going to eat all of that? So it's like, I I wish more people understood that their words do have an impact. Like even if they're not intentionally being negative or, you know, trying to, you know, have like that kind of an impact, don't comment on other people's bodies because you don't know what they're going through or what they're dealing with. Yeah, absolutely. So before we end our time together, I have a couple more questions for you. One would be if you could say anything to any other individuals out there who may be struggling with an eating disorder or disordered eating or body image, um, or might be in a place of recovery and entering into that space, what would you say to them? Something that, you know, someone said to me when I was pretty early in recovery, it does get better. Um, but more specifically, this person said to me, like, give it a year, give it a year of trying it this way. 
and not your way and and see how it goes, see where you end up in a year. And if after that year, it still isn't working for you, then do what you want. But I did find, again, cliche, but it does get easier, you know, as especially as your first kind of getting into recovery out of your hole, you have like those, that mindset shift. And as you're doing that work, it, it does get easier. So yeah, it takes practice. And you know, there are going to be those days that are harder than others. But I also think just like reminding yourself that that's just part of being in recovery, right? It's very non-linear and we can't let those bad days bring us back into struggling with an eating disorder and i think it's when we you know offer ourselves some grace and compassion in those more intense moments you know when we're beginning to practice these new skills that make us uncomfortable or maybe we give in to the eating disorder voice and we engage in that behavior and what it's telling us to do but yeah like you said it does get better and then just recognizing that your journey is just as valid as my journey was in my own recovery as valid as yours and there is no right way to be in recovery there's no perfect way to recover from an eating disorder agreed yeah and I think that was a big a big thing I struggled with at first because I felt like it had to be a certain way and with alcohol too it was like I don't like AA meetings. I don't want to do all that. Like, and so I felt like, oh, I'm not doing the 12 steps. Like it's not, (laughs) I'm not doing it the right way. And same with uh, eating disorder recovery as well. Like it it is so different, you know, what works for one person doesn't work for another. And I think that's part of the journey too, just kind of uncovering what works for you so that you can get to that space where you do feel good and you feel solid with yourself. Yeah, 100%. I really like how you just said, find what works for you, right? Because there will be things that, you know, might be presented to you if you are receiving formal treatment, they're like, okay, engage in your five senses, right? Like if you're finding yourself triggered at a mealtime, well, for me, that doesn't work, right? Because my mind becomes so fixated that it's hard to focus on my other senses. But there are other tools in my toolbox that I know work well for me being in this space. And when I do find myself activated, so I just want to thank you for highlighting that point of find what works for you, because there will be those things that will be a crutch for you when you are needing that additional support and being in recovery. One last question I have for you, Rachel, is that um, the title of this podcast is Embracing You. So how has your journey of living with an eating disorder and your own journey to recovery allowed you to embrace yourself? I feel like it's, I mean, as challenging as it was, I honestly am glad that it's part of my story in a weird way, just because I do feel that it helped me to be the most confident I've ever felt with myself and most comfortable. Um, And it kind of, it led me to where I am now, (laughs) you know, in terms of with my job, with health coaching, like it's, it's like my dream job. Um, And even with, you know, running marathons, doing triathlons, I don't think I would have ever gotten into those if my life hadn't happened had it as it would or as it did. But I feel like that was kind of like what helped me to embrace myself in in that sense, you know, just because it is something that I feel my strongest and I feel my best. And it's helped me to grow my confidence too. And, you know, even just, you know, growing like my social circle and sharing, sharing with others, you know, my my story as well. And having that space, I think 
has been part of that too. No, that's great. And I truly am such a firm believer. And this is really at the core of a lot of the work that I do in the space of coaching others and their eating disorder recovery is that the road to recovery is the road back to your true self and really reconnecting with your voice, reconnecting with your own values, your own belief systems, finding yourself again. It's just, it, it's a part of the journey of being in recovery. And that's what I'm hearing you saying right there, right? Is like, this is the most confident you've been. You feel really connected to yourself. You are more emotionally and more embodied. Like you have that emotional awareness and you have that awareness too of being in your body, knowing what those cues are when you're hungry, when you might need to have another portion. And you're just responding to those from being your true self. Yeah, I, I like the way that you explain that. I think that's very true. Like, I feel like I'm, I've gotten to a point where I just feel comfortable being myself and not trying to like mask anything, like not trying to be someone that I'm not, which is not a crazy party girl. <laughs> um, by the way, I'm usually in, in my pajamas by 8pm reading a book. Um, so I think and, and just being okay with that, like knowing that I don't need validation from other people that I can take their feedback and take it or leave it. Um, you know, it might still sit in my mind, but I'm not going to, you know, let that eat away at, at me like I would have previously. And just knowing that like what I'm doing is best for me and what I enjoy doing. Well, Rachel, I just want to thank you so much for once again, your vulnerability, your willingness to enter into this space with me today and so freely share your story and just your own thoughts on eating disorders, body image, and just everything that can exist within this space. Um, and thank you for the work that you're doing as well with sharing your story on social and having these conversations. Um, I truly believe that this can have a ripple effect. Um, and so the more that we can enter into these spaces and have these conversations, um, the greater outreach and hopefully effect it can have on those around us. Hopefully this becomes a space that is much more openly talked about and a space where people are less afraid to talk about as well and kind of ending some of the stigma that comes with talking about and living with um, an eating disorder or struggling with body image or disordered eating or anything of that sort. So once again, thank you, Rachel, for being willing to be a guest on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Once again, I would like to give a big thank you to Rachel for sharing her story on the Embracing You podcast today. And before I leave this space here with you all, I just wanted to remind you that if you find yourself listening to this podcast and you feel called to share your own story, I would absolutely love to have you be a guest on the podcast. So once again, if you find yourself in that space and ready to share, um, please feel free to reach out and we will most definitely find a time to get an interview on your calendar. I truly believe that the more that we can share our own stories with one another, the more that we can hopefully begin to reduce some of the shame associated with struggling with eating disorders, disordered eating, body image, and or mental health. So until next time, I hope that you all continue to take care of yourselves. You continue to remind yourself of your innate worth and value. And most importantly, I hope you take the time to nourish your body, mind, and soul. 
much love. <laughs>